0: Just wanted to give a quick content warning uh, before digging into today's episode. We will be talking about the reports from The Athletic of sexual coercion from Paul Riley to former NWSL players. And, you know, it can be really triggering. It can be a lot. So please make sure to take care of your mental health. And if that means don't like not listening to this episode, then don't listen and please take care of yourself.
1: So... Um, while I was gone, a lot of things happened. Um, a lot of reports, (laughs) correct. A lot of reports, a lot of receipts, a lot of, um, a lot light was shed on a lot of things and that needed to be shed on. And a lot of people knew about a lot of these things before they became public. That's also something that we learned, uh, in the context of everything coming out. and. It is, it is just, on one hand, it's not shocking to me, right? Like, when you create a structure like this with such an imbalance of power, with so many people to protect any bad actors, whether they're, in Deloitte Hanson's case, being misogynistic, sexist, racist, whether they're being verbally abusive, as in the case of Fareed Ben-Steady and, you know, body image. Uh, body shaming, those kinds of things, or Richie Burke, verbal abuse, mental tolls that that takes. Um, and of course, then you discuss, as as we mentioned, the sexual coercion that happened um, from Paul Riley, apparently, at Portland Thorns uh, while he was there. And yeah, you just, you are not surprised that these things happen, but you have to be disgusted that it's all kept quiet and that these actors continue to be continued to be protected and that nobody thought that any of this would ever come out.
0: Yeah. So just a quick recap, because I realize maybe someone needs it. Thursday morning, Meg Linehan of The Athletic released this truly bombshell of a story about Paul Riley And you know the accounts of Sinead Farley and Monashim. And we've seen a lot of we've seen a lot of reactions to it. And the one thing that I think has really well two things have pointed have like really um kind of like nudged themselves in the front of my mind. But I think the first one is just kind of a, a general question of and this is like to the owners, the league, like why? Like what what do you gain by protecting these men, right? Like, what do you gain for, for example, for Merit Paulson and the thorns? What do you gain by not being truthful in your statement about, or like, you know, when Riley left the thorns, what do you gain by not being truthful? Right. Or even saying like, and we're talking about this before we started recording, like, okay, fine. Let's say you don't want to go out and completely smear someone. You like, there are ways you can craft statements saying like and it can be a simple thing of thank you for your time at the club that's it like you don't need to wish you the best we don't need to kind of add in all of this positive fanfare when you did a literal investigate like you had your own player players truly but your own player come to you telling you about this horrible thing that happened and yet you decided on the back end of it um to like to be so overly positive with this goodbye statement. Like, why? Like I doubt, I mean, I don't know, maybe if this didn't come out, maybe in the future the Thorns would want to go and hire Paul Riley again. I don't know. But like, I just don't understand why all of these statements, and even I mean this is not even just about Paul Riley and the Thorns, but also for example, with Fareed Ben Steedy and O. L. Rain, um, I will say Racing Oval got it right when they're like, we terminated him for cause. <laughs> this is who's gonna be the the acting coach <laughs> that's it like sure sweet and to the point like the racing will got it right um but i don't know i just i don't understand what like the need the need to protect like yeah we know soccer in the u.s is kind of a small world but like i don't you don't really have anything to gain and also like you clearly don't want these people in your club. And I'm assuming you you don't want them to come back to your club. Why be so overly positive? Well, and that's the in?
1: question. Do they? And that's my concern. And that's what, to me, all of this really reveals is that there was only thought or consideration for one group of people. And it was not the people that were hurt or abused. It was to protect the, the hurt, the people that caused the hurt and the abusers. That's And that to me is, I mean, we've seen this, you know, in USA Gymnastics, we've seen this, you know, even at Penn State with the the Jerry Sandusky situation that they had there. Like, we've seen this a lot. And what it does is it shows clearly that there's an institutional problem. It's not just that certain people are making decisions. It's this is how we function. This is how we operate. This is who we protect. This is who we don't. This is how things like this continue to go on, particularly in sports is people in control who are usually, you know, behind the scenes, right? Merritt Paulson is a bit of a unique owner because he likes to tweet. He likes to be out there and kind of engage, even though he's, you know, toss up on whether whatever he's saying is right or wrong. Um, But he's more front facing than most of the owners. So you really don't ever get an opportunity To even see them, let alone speak to them, let alone even get close to trying to hold them accountable or ask them a question, so nobody could really ask the question like, "Why was this person let go?" For real, you know, was this really about like like for even City, we saw that this season it took all of this coming out for the for the rain to finally be like, okay, yeah, he said he made some disparaging comments about players' body, and we can't have that. It's like, well. He did the exact same thing to Lindsay Aran and everybody knew that. So then they're gone because you can't ask the follow-up question. So then what was the mechanism that allowed you to ignore that and empower this person, give this person power and authority over people again? And it's the exact same thing with Paul Riley, He was let go and allowed to have power and authority over women again when he had abused it in a disgusting way a number of times before same thing these things keep happening and that's why it's so it's so frustrating because not only the players clearly nobody deserves this the players have no power in this system and this is what it brings i saw Meg Linehan when she was on MSNBC she made this point and it's a is a point that i've kind of been you know um really concerned about and really was in the forefront of my mind about the whole NWSL structure and why I was so, before all of this was so, you know, looking forward to the CBA because you cannot keep a group of people without, with so little power because you're going to make them vulnerable. People are going to take advantage of them. That's how power operates. That's how power works. And it's when you take uh, the structure of of a league and you try to emulate, You know, one of the male sports leagues, like the NFL. The NFL is notoriously awful to its labor force. They treat bodies as disposable. They don't care. They're awful. We saw the report that came out, even even when they were told, no, you have to pay money because CTE is real. These players are struggling. You need to be able to fund their medical care post-careers. They were trying to do, and they got caught saying that Black players had a lower uh, intellectual threshold. So what they were trying to do is make it seem like black players were dumber, and so you couldn't diagnose CTE in the same same way as you diagnosed it with white players. So basically it led to black players getting less money, less coverage. This is the kind of things that the NFL does with their power and the way the labor structure is. Now, when you copy-paste that to women's sports and you put men in charge and give men all the power— and women are the ones without power. Not only do you have similar things, you have even worse because now you have abuses. You have sexual coercion. You have body shaming. You have sexism. You have misogyny. You have all of these things. And it's terrifying. And the fact that the players have been going through this and still playing in this league is just, it's sad. It's so sad. This, this whole thing is makes me so sad. And also incredibly angry
0: well and there are a few things that i want to um respond to what you just said first like there is a reason why so i think all of the if not at least all of the top tier and i mean like number one out of a pyramid structure those sportly sports leagues in the u.s all have unions there is a clear reason for it Mm hmm because even if otherwise, they're not strong. <laughs> even if they're not strong, they exist. They exist because history will tell you that players will get taken advantage of. And I mean, to be fair, even now they still are, but at least there are more systems in place to prevent that. But if you're just out there all willy nilly, of course players are going to get taken advantage of. And that's why we see so many leagues in the US have unions that are supposed to be there to protect the players.
1: And then, you know, you even look at, you know, the NWSLPA and the report that, you know, Megan Burke, the leader of the NWSLPA said even earlier that, uh, earlier, so you can't remember, I think she said on the Burn Burn It All Down podcast that none of the owners, none, zero owners from any of the teams showed up to the sessions for the new CBA. So like that lets you know that there's a serious power imbalance and that the owners have no... They they have no intention of giving the players any sort of power or treating them as any sorts of equal.
0: Well, and I will say with that, she did say that it's not necessarily the most common for owners to show up, but also I will say kind of at least understanding (laughs) maybe a little bit more about Lisa Baird, like I would also, for example, not super put it past her to like say she's got this, if that makes sense. It does. Like like a, oh you guys don't need to show up. I got this type of thing. That doesn't excuse the owners, but like that does not surprise me if that, for example, did actually happen. And obviously this is all speculation. Um but another thing that I was thinking about, and this is kind of been how I've been I've been feeling about this entire situation. Um and also for example, drawing a connection point to what Kaya McCullough went through at the Spirit. As long oh along with several other spirit players who just haven't necessarily come forward about it because some of them are, you know, still playing soccer um and are afraid of, you know, professional retaliation and all and retribution and all of those things. But it is it's like really shocking to me that the NWSL still exists. Like fundamentally, right? Like we we see this report. The fact that a an anti-harassment Policy wasn't put in place till 2021, which is fundamentally baffling to me. Of hey, we started in 2013. We've had what, let's say over a hundred years, or let's say around hundred years. I don't know. I don't remember when the NFL started any of that stuff, but we've had decades and decades <laughs> of other leagues in this country and just so many examples of abuse that athletes have gone through in this country around the world. Why is not like the number one thing, and I mean, and I fully mean this, like inception of the league, when you are having employers and employees not having an anti harassment policy? Because to me, that also goes back to, and I will actually finish my point, but this is a small detour of that original 2015 investigation with Paul Riley, where they did the investigation and they didn't find anything they said, I think they said, quote unquote, like unlawful or illegal. And it's like,
1: yeah, I think they, I think they said unlawful behavior or something. Or yeah, unlaw- unlawful behavior.
0: Unlawful behavior, and it's like, okay, well, of like, it it does not surprise me that you couldn't find anything, quote unquote, unlawful if you don't have an anti-harassment policy in place, because then you're just trying to go from like, I don't know, like the letter of the law in state of Washington. Sorry, in the state of Oregon, <laughs> I, my brain forgot. I forgot where Portland was located. Like. Of course that that does not surprise me that the investigators did not find anything necessarily unlawful or something that was breaking the law because you don't have like for example, what we are seeing now an anti harassment policy where you can put those safeguards in place instead of them just going like trying to do an in a like a plain investigation' Because a lot of these things that for example, that we're talking about right now, the reason why we are able to see th- these terrible men ousted is because of this anti-harassment policy. Because before, it's quite clear that, you know, Paul Riley was there. He was able to go on his merry little way to another team in the league because his policy did not exist. So, um, but then the other thing I was thinking about of, you know, this is with previous, like, reporting, for example. I've done talking about, like, player salaries and all this thing. It just baffles me that this league fundamentally still exists with all that these players have put up with over and over and over again. Like I just, and I mean, I know people are tweeting like burn it all down, shout out to the podcast, but, and that like, like they want the league to burn and then build up something better, but it's just like kind of baffling to me that this league as a whole still exists knowing what these players have go go through with not only not having protection of a union being like potentially being abused, low player salaries, potentially living with host families. I mean, Gotham is better now, but in the old Sky Blue days, like terrible facilities, like all of these things, I am baffled that (laughs) this league still fundamentally exists.
1: And I think that's a very good point, because what it does is it shows you that players want a domestic U.S. league, and they are willing to invest and endure to make that happen, And that is being taken advantage of in the most gross and inhumane ways, whether, like you said, it's low pay, it's poor facilities, it's, you may end up on the, on the end of an abusive relationship, verbally, sexually, something like that. It's, and that shouldn't be the case. And this is the thing that keeps, it's frustrating because this is bare minimum stuff. This is just, don't be evil to people. And shouldn't really need to be coded in some sort of like, like, yes, you need an anti harassment policy just for like an HR thing, but you don't need an anti harassment policy to tell you that doing something like that is bad. That like sexual Facts. coercion is bad. That like telling two players to kiss so that the rest of the team doesn't have to run suicides the following day. Like, you don't need an anti harassment policy to tell you that that's bad. Right. And if players come to you and say that, hey, this happened, you shouldn't be. To the point where you're like, well, we don't really have a mechanism to do anything about that. No, no, (laughs) no. That's bad. It's wrong. It's evil. It's gross. And it's just, it's it frustrates me because this the, the thing about this league and the thing about a domestic league in this country is that it shouldn't be hard. The players are some of the best players in the world. They're some of the most recognizable players in the world. They come from... The best um, kind of semi-pro or quote-unquote amateur, if you listen to the NCAA, uh, but semi-pro oh, is set God. up in the like, world. Yeah. Yeah. Talking about college. Um, <laughs> they're, they're coming from that and you're getting like, like Kat Macario. I know not every player does this, but Kat Macario went straight from college to Lyon. Like, Bro. you've got a lot, like, like.
0: I still think about that. <laughs> happy birthday, cat! Yeah, <laughs> happy anyway.
1: birthday, cat! Um, but you still think of like Trinity Rodman, who skipped college. Uh, she was going to go play for Washington State, but right into the Washington Spirit. You even look at player like Ashley Sanchez, who play who's playing incredibly. You look at players who come in Morgan Weaver; it's been really, really good. Sophia Smith coming in. You know, you you see a lot of young, talented, really, really super talented players come from college and jump into the league and and excel and look incredible and grow. That's the thing. The players make the league. The players are the most incredible collection of women's footballers there are. the The damn league could almost run itself. All you have to do is not get in the way. Don't be evil. Let them play, and it will it will flourish. But you can't even do that because there oh. has to be this power imbalance. There has to be so much rampant capitalism that what you end up doing is you make so many compromises for people and, and the way that sports in America works is that labor gets the short end of the stick always. And when you add in, it's, it's basically the concept of intersectionality applied to sports because not only is it just straight up owner labor relations, it is also you add in women. So you add in the sexism, you add in men and women, gender dynamics, and you add in, you know, many other things in terms of like what, who, <laughs> Who capitalism says deserves money, which is those who do not trade on their body, and, and those who don't, and those, and it could be, who cares? It doesn't matter if you were given money by your family, by your dad, you inherited, it doesn't matter. Capitalism assumes that you did something great to earn that money, that you deserve it, and that because of that, you should have power and authority over people who don't have that. All of these things converge and make it really difficult to have a, a, a league, which is why like a commissioner. And you know, when you set up a, a women's league, you have to be aware of all of this. And it's so easy to be aware of all of this because you have to be able to be strong enough to see that this league can be incredible because we have the talent, we have the players. The very like the the only thing you have to do is protect them.
0: That's it. Well, and sorry, I just want to jump in and say two more things. Well, that's what I was. You touched on basically a greater point that I was getting at by the Portland investigation saying. Nothing, quote unquote, unlawful happened in that there was no structure in place. And I mean, I don't know how like a coach's league contract works Um, like and I don't know what those contracts look like now, but because there was no HR like and we know HR, for example, like we know HR is there to protect the company, not the employees. But right. Since there was no even like HR mechanism or structure, let's say, in place i don't even know for example if it was possible like without like with with the what conclusion they came to from the investigation for them to just be like no we're going to fire you anyway which it's at least i mean and obviously this is me speculating and like trying to quote like put in better thoughts potentially in Merritt paulson's head of um of like them just having to let the contract run out and i can't remember off the top of my head if like I th- I think it was, like, they weren't doing well anywhere, and his contract ended that year anyway. But also, so it's, like, not having that HR structure, to me, just, like, kind of adds to this whole problem. And when talking about institutional problems of, like, an institution as a club, but then the larger institution of the league, and just having, you know, things percolate and all that stuff, and just not being able to fire a coach. And I mean... I don't know the different like I am I in my brain just pop like Louisville and like them firing Christy Holly for cause but it's like I don't know if you know we're in 2021 now I don't know if le- like the actual contracts were different whatever But that's not the point I just wanted to like clarify that of because of that lack of HR structure we don't know if it was like we can just fire you um but regardless of that even talking about and like kind of connecting back to the story of you talking about like Cat and Trinity Rodman like going through from college into these huge leagues. Like, <laughs> Sinead was almost picked for the what the 2011 World Cup, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah, like she yep. was kind of one of those players on the on the periphery for the 2011 World Cup. She was still at UVA at that time. Like, and I mean, for people who don't know, I I mean, I don't know how you don't know this now. I went to UVA. My old sister played soccer at UVA. Like, I I genuinely watched Sinead for two two or three two or three seasons play in Charlottesville. And so it's like, it kind of just kind of, you know, goes from that, like, it's kind of that through line of like, and I don't know, in my brain, I also just thought about, like, when they're on Burnett all down, they're like, this is a detour. That's how my brain works. Like, of like, Laura Harvey, like, how is she coaching O.L. Reigns so well? And it's like, kind of the thing of like, put the players in the best positions and I'm going to get out of my own way. It's like, that is literally all the league has to do. Like what you said, Andre, like, just get out of your own way and you still somehow messed it up like and you still messed it up so badly like I I mean (laughs) I and you know we saw Alex Morgan bring the receipts we saw like we saw the like hints of the receipts in the article talking about once this uh anti harassment policy was put in place and um Sinead and Mana going to Lisa Baird and then seeing Lisa Baird's reaction of like, I'm shocked by these new allegations. And then Alex Morgan being like, no, you're not. Here's the email receipts, which I can't lie. I just kind of appreciate appreciated because it was like a, there's one thing I think for people to like read it in an article, but then another thing to be like, it's right here in your face. Here are the receipts. But like, I don't know. All of this is, I feel like it kind of hits me in waves of like how like this institutional Failure has percolated, and it's also, and I think this is what Megan Klingenberg and also Becky Sarabun said in their statements like, how did no one learn from the downfall of the previous league? Like, we know, for example, it wasn't 100% Magic Jack, but that was a big domino. Like, that was a domino. How has no one learned? And I feel like this also connects to a larger conversation that we've been having (laughs) kind of since. The beginning of this podcast, this podcast has not been out for a long time, like eight months at this point, I think, me thinks eight months, 10 months, somewhere between there. How, like we keep asking the question of not only how did no one see this, but also like were lessons learned from previous mistakes, but also the question of almost like where was the planning in the beginning to prevent something like this happening? Because I could understand, for example, if this was the first, if the NWSL was the first uh, women's soccer league ever in this country, I would probably still look at them with a critical eye, but I could understand sometimes, like not necessarily all of the forward thinking of it's 2013, we're going to think about something that is happening in 2021. Like that to me would be a little bit more understandable of like, maybe trying to cut corners. But it's like, this is the third time that there's been a top-tier women's professional soccer league in this country, and it's like nothing has been learned. And also, it's like you haven't learned from your predecessors in other sports leagues in this country because we know U.S. sports operates completely differently with, like, very small exceptions, but for the most part operates differently than at least other soccer leagues around the world. So it's like if you wanted to operate at, like, an a quote-unquote us soccer or us sports league then how did you also not go and look at the other terrible things that have happened in other leagues and be like you know what we don't want to happen this
1: so this is where i think and this is where i think it's it's intentional it's institutional it's intentional they they built it to do this and they were comfortable doing it and never thought it was gonna get found out i mean look what it took Look! Look all it look all it took. I mean, Meg is was the first full time you know women's soccer reporter that there's been, and she was one person for the Athletic. You know, you have smaller beat writers, but they control all the access. Like I, I can speak from a personal perspective, you know, trying to cover the Washington Spirit this season for the first time, by the way. And I have a regular like nine to five job, so it's very hard to focus on everything and know everything. Obviously, COVID made it even more difficult because you can't actually be a training. You can actually develop relationships with the players where you can actually talk to them and gain the trust to tell a story. So this is why it takes somebody like Kaya coming forward and saying, um, Hey, talking to Molly Hensley Clancy, who, an, again, another reporter, finally, that's two. Right. And then Steph but Young she was hired covers. at the athletic, right?
0: Molly doesn't even cover soccer full time. Yeah, right. She's just yeah, does, she just does like investigative stories.
1: Yeah, she's an investigative sports reporter. She's not meant to be a sole focus on women's soccer, but she does focus on, she tries to focus on women's sports, clearly, because there's a lot going on. So you look at all it took, and these, the, the allegations were what, 2015? So you look at how many years went by and what it took to get somebody in a position to where that relationship could be cultivated, the story could be protected. Um, and it could be published in a way that is indisputable, that it needs to be told. I mean, Meg Meg, and Katie Strang took a lot of care with the story and made sure that it was ported in, in, the, in a way that couldn't be ignored or couldn't be brushed aside. And that's, it takes a lot of time to do that. It takes a lot of effort, especially when you're doing, you're publishing something like that in a big, you know, uh, publication there are editorial guidelines and there are things that you have to make sure that you can back up and substantiate. So it takes a lot of time to do this kind of work and shout out to Meg for doing it, but look what it took. And this is what they relied on. Silence. You know, we saw a lot of signs, you know, at, at Portland, you know, shout out to them for, and their, um, their supporters for showing up and having a protest and trying to speak to Merritt Polson who <laughs> released a terrible statement today. Um, but yeah, you, 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 it It's that cultural silence that insulated them, fed their egos, fed their power and made them feel like they could do this. They could treat women like prey. They could abuse women and everything was going to be all right and they would never be found out. This is why, to me, they meant to do this. And this is why I'm very close. Like, <laughs> I'm I'm to the point where anybody who is given any sort of governing power over the NWSL from here on which is why I think they made a really big mistake in their most recent uh, committee that they put uh, together. And we'll, we can flesh out the details of it in a second. But I wanted to just note this point about it. The problem that I have is that you don't have the benefit of the doubt anymore. In a lot of eyes, you never did. But you mm-hmm. certainly don't now because too much is out there. And there's too much of a pattern. Like you talked about with Christy Holly. Yeah, they finally said for a cause, but why was he hired in the first place? Exactly. Same with Friedman Bensteady. Why was he fired? Well, why, why was he hired in the first place? He did the exact same thing. Richie Burke, why was he hired in the first place? He did the exact same thing. Paul Riley, you want that to happen again? Like this is the thing. And what's frustrating or, or what I look for for a league if it's going to actually prove itself worth saving is the people in charge need to say N- we can't. Like it the basically the jig is up. We're not going to have this power imbalance. We're not going to allow the players to be treated like this. We're going to give a lot of the power back to the players. They deserve it. They're the ones who bring eyeballs to the league anyway. They're the ones the league, the the fans, the supporters care about anyway. We have to make sure that the players are empowered, that they're being listened to, that they are the number one thing. And when... The League comes out with their committee full of white women, and at least one of which had had some things in her past about refusing to prosecute or investigate uh, Jeffrey Epstein. Just like we're talking about somebody who needs to be aware and sensitive to abuse. And clearly she's demonstrated that I don't care what side she was on she had no interest in doing that and that is not something that fills you with a whole lot of uh in the the sort of belief you need to under, to to be able to support or believe that the league is going to restructure itself in the way that needs to be restructured so whether it's the NWSL or whether it's another league that forms after this basically the NWSL in my opinion needs to be like the next steps need to be very clear. They need to be very deliberate. They need to be extremely like, we are changing so much of the structure of this league because if you can't do that, then it needs to burn. And we need to find another, we need to develop another league that actually puts players first because that's the only way we're going to be able to avoid a lot of these things that pop up. Like, yeah, you you may still have some controversies here or there. A coach may say something here or there, but to the extent that it's gotten to And it's been, not gotten to, it's been like this in the NWSL for years. It's unsustainable.
0: Yeah, and I just, um, because I do want to talk a little bit more about who they decided to put in place and like what they decided to do. I do just first want to talk a little bit about the NWSL PA, the NWSL Players Association. Um, That's what PA stands for. Um, Because I do want to talk a little bit about their response. So the article dropped. I'm pretty sure it's 7 a.m. Eastern on uh Thursday, September 30th. And at 7.14, we already saw a statement from the NWSLPA on, I'm assuming they probably put it on other platforms outside of Twitter, but on Twitter, you know, they put out a statement Um, and they said, but like in the caption or like in the, the actual tweet, because they posted a photo, but in the actual tweet, they said, systemic abuse plaguing the NWSL must not be ignored. And, you know, talking about what the league needs to do going forward. Um, a few tweets down, they really set a list of demands, and it was that you know that the NWSL initiates an independent allegation um, into the or sorry, the NWSL initiate an, an independent investigation into the allegations published by the Athletic. Um, and then they also asked, or will demand not even asked, they demanded. Um, that any league or club staff who accuse who are accused of conduct no matter when it occurred that violates the current anti-harassment policy um, or any mandated reporter who failed to report the alleged violation be suspended indefinitely and that the NWSL disclose how Paul Riley was hired within the NWSL after departing from another NWSL club um, subsequent to an investigation into abusive conduct um, during the bargaining session scheduled for Friday, October 1st. And so and they you know they their the deadline for these demands was basically Friday at noon um so Friday October 1st and so thinking about looking forward for example to the league they did you know we'll say North Carolina even though they shouldn't have hired Paul Riley in the first place sw- like swiftly or uh, swiftly fired it like i feel like it was only a few hours um after the publication after they fired him then we later saw that Lisa Baird stepped down um, as league commissioner. Um, and then earlier today, or sorry, yesterday, uh, the NWSL announced what they call a commitment to systemic transformation. And basically as a part of this, they're putting in an executive committee or they announced the formation of an executive committee to manage the oversight of the league's front office operations following the resignation of, of Lisa Baird and the three people on. And also they will be, um, this committee will be like in They'll be leading the hunt for the next commissioner, but the three people in this committee are Amanda Duffy, Angie Angie Long of Kansas City, and Sophie, I'm going to say Sauvage, because of O.L. Reign, because I'm 95% sure she is French. So we see this. Oh, and also I will say with this statement, they like released a bunch of initiatives of like um, an independent review of the practices and policies of league at club level, including workplace policies, you know, all of these things. They're reopening the investigation into the 20 or reopening the 2015 investigation into Paul Riley. Um, and, you know, they, they kind of released all these things. And I also do want to point out that the NWSL PA, which, and like, to me, this part cannot be ignored because in response at first, the league said that they were going to partner with safe sport, which we have learned if you've been paying attention at all, to the fallout from Larry Nassar's systemic abuse, um, and even recently, you, gymnasts like testifying in front of Congress. You know that Safe Sport is like a not great. I'll, I'll put it nicely, not great at protecting athletes. Uh, Safe Sport was an organization that like worked with these gymnasts trying to protect them from Larry Nassar, and obviously, um, you know that did not happen. Um, and I think Ali Raisman had a few like separate things to say about them, that they were not good at all. Um, And also, if you remember from the Olympics, that story about a fencer that was, that had several investigations pending against him, but he qualified for the Olympics. So then they created like a safe team to protect him or to prevent him from going into the Olympic village and also interacting with any woman athlete who put in those rules instead of just not letting this athlete go to the Olympics, safe sport. So (laughs) my point going with this is going forward the NWSL is like we'll be attempting to get it right. I over the three people that they appointed of Amanda Duffy, Angie Long, and Sophie Savage, all of those women are white. And we we have seen how black players are treated in the NWSL. And if, even if we think back to the formation of the Black Women's Player Collective, that gives me, to put it nicely, that gives me a lot of pause about what changes the league will actually make going forward. Because, I mean, one thing I was thinking about when I was listening to other podcasts was the fact that there are so few women of color on, like, boards for soccer in this country. I mean, and boards in general. Like, sports sports boards. That doesn't make any sense We all get it. Sports boards in this country. But Also, y'all need to get other people in the room. Like, y'all need to get... You truly need to get other people in the room. They don't have to come from soccer, even though, like, yeah, that's helpful because they'll have more insight. But y'all need to get other people in the room who do not look like you and do not think like you. And I don't mean, like, hey, we have diversity of thought. Like, no, y'all need actual diverse people because the one thing that we have seen, and this kind of goes into maybe a greater conversation that we can talk about, Andre, of... The reaction of this story, which I will say, like abuse is terrible no matter where it happens. And this story speaks to, at least from what I understand, or at least from what we're seeing, is more like a systemic problem throughout the NWSL as opposed to a lot of people have been making comparisons to what happened with the Washington Spirit, specifically with Kyle McCullough and those other players who uh, spoke to Molly Henzi Cancy and also all of the other players who experienced that as well. And people could maybe pigeonhole that into like this is a problem with the Washington spirit as opposed to the like the easiest conclusion to come through with this story is that this is a problem throughout the entire NWSL, specifically, you know, with protecting abusive coaches, all of these things. But also just the reaction in general. Like what happened to Kaya is just as terrible as what happened to Mata and Sinead. But we have seen a very large difference in the reaction to the two stories.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. It and Kaya tweeted um earlier today or this or, or tonight that NWSL investigators haven't reached out to her still. She said she hasn't been approached by the league or investigators yet either. So in terms of, you know, it's it's this is why it's so like you said it's so key, because there's a culture of ignoring certain voices. And I am thankful that Sinead and Mana were able to get their stories told. Thankful for Meg Linehan. I am thankful even that Alex Morgan decided to, you know, uh, come forward and be part of the story as well. Uh, Bring her receipts (laughs) um, to make sure that this wasn't ignored. It shouldn't take all that. It does. And in a lot of ways, it takes whiteness. As you mentioned, Kaya has... Many complaints, and I do not know why you, and the league or investigators would not speak to her. She was the primary source in Molly Hensley Clancy's story. Why would you not talk to her? And like, yeah, they closed the investigation and they said that Rachel Burke can no longer coach any other NWSL player. And okay, you came to the right conclusion. But why aren't you listening to a Black player who brought these concerns to you in the first place, that brought these concerns out in the first place? And, and also
0: the only like, I mean, I don't know who else Molly Hensley Clancy talked to, but Kaya talked on the record.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Like that is a huge step there. Mm-hmm. Like the, the strength of that article and like, yeah, having, let's say four anonymous sources, like, and all of the, like having accounts in four anonymous sources is like still significant, but there is a big difference of having someone talking on the record. Yeah. It is a huge difference.
1: Yeah, that story is more much more difficult to approve. It's much more difficult to publish. It's much more difficult to have impact if it doesn't have a face, right? If you don't have somebody who says, No, this happened to me. And they're able to, they're they're strong enough and bold enough to put it, and it shouldn't be this way. (laughs) You should be able to take people who say, Hey, I'm scared. I've been put in a very bad position. I'm quite scared still. I've been abused emotionally, verbally. I feel like I'm having reactions to that and I don't want to go through everything it takes, all the burden, all the n- nonsense that you're gonna receive in terms of people being skeptical or calling you soft or telling you this or that. You shouldn't have to you shouldn't have to say, okay, I'm going to endure all of that. Should be able to say, I went through enough. I'm telling my story. It needs to be believed because this can't happen to other people. But instead, you need somebody to be a face. This is why I believe Meg said this on another podcast. The photos were very important in her story. So you could see Sinead. Photo and, and same thing with Kaya. Very important so that you could see her and understand her journey and put a face to what she endured. It's important for those things. But in the aftermath, they are not treated equally. And it's because of, obviously, race. And this is why, like you mentioned, if the NWSL is going to try and save itself, the structure of the NWSL is going to try and reshape itself and save itself. It needs to, it needs to do not even better. It needs to get this right. We're, we're beyond the point of being okay with incremental change here. Like you've allowed so much abuse. You've allowed so many awful things to happen. Repetitive, repetitive things as well continued for years and years and years and so many people knew about them We're way beyond the point of saying okay you give us a little bit here and okay cool sounds great this is why i tweeted what i tweeted and i'm going to repeat it on the podcast again because i think it's a very important point because the nwsl to use their own language when they tweeted out this says their commitment to systemic transformation that last part systemic transformation That's lip service, because what they announced is not systemic transformation at all. And again, as a black person in America, I'm familiar with an institution saying, "Okay, we're finally going to do the bare minimum to understand and accept you. But we're going to position that, pat ourselves on the back, really, and position this as systemic transformation. Know you're doing the bare minimum and we're well beyond Patting you on the back for doing the bare minimum because what you've allowed to occur under your watch is awful. And if you want systemic transformation, if that's the thing that you say you want, we need to see actual change. We need to see an actual shift and rebalancing of power. We need to see actual people like like Courtney just mentioned, diverse people, people, black people. I'm just going to straight up say it. Black people need to be empowered. You need to be, you need to treat the black women's player collective the exact same way as you treat the NWSLPA and both of those groups need to have a lot more power than they currently have. And this is why I'm, I'm, it's frustrating to see that that's the league's response to all that. It's almost like, do y'all realize what was just reported? Do you understand the severity of that? Do you understand that within a couple of years, we've had countless, I wrote an article that went through, and this was before all of this, even before the Richie Burke stuff. They went through Mm -hmm. all of the things that have happened in the NWSL since the 2020 Challenge Cup and Deloy Hansen. There's been so much. And now we have sexual coercion. We have verbal abuse. We have all all of this. And the reaction is, we made a committee. We're going to enable safe sport. A thing that you just recently heard U.S. gymnast Allie Raisman call a complete mess, quote unquote. Like, no, 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 no. That's not how it works. That's not going to get this league and this is not going to protect the players which is the bit which is a basic thing that you should have been doing anyway
0: 100 i mean i don't know i feel like over the past so let's say since the 2020 challenge cup i feel like a lot of people have been saying that the league has kind of been like growing pains but to me they're not growing pains it's okay this is stay with me here for a moment you know when you have a book a paperback book and You're using it a lot, so you start getting those, like, little crinkles in the spine. To me, all that we've been seeing are crinkles in the spine. And right now, there are so many and they're so deep that you're about to break the book in half. So to me, it's not growing pains. It's moments and crinkles leading up to an inflection point. And right now, the league has to get it right. So that way, you don't break the thing in half. And, I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, I I sincerely hope that they get it right. Like I like that's the one thing that we have we've seen at least you know from reporting and what the NWSLPA is saying. Like the players in the league still want to play in this league despite all they endure. Which to me, like if you want to talk about some of the fiercest athletes on the planet, all of that they endure and they still want to play in this league. They want to play for their clubs. They want to play in front of NWSL fans and women's soccer fans, but the league has got to get it right. Like they have, they have got to get it right.
1: Yeah, that's the that's the thing I keep coming back to is just the players have to have the power in this league, and not just you know the ex, you know free agency or get yes you need free agency. You need to do away with the players' rights things like yes, but but more power than just where they play. Like they need to have the power to speak up and say, hey, if the treatment isn't right, if they're being, you know, if something is happening, then they know that that's it. The league has their back. That person's out. Everybody knows why that person's out so that they can't get rehired again. Like, and again, that's a bare minimum thing. Like Paul Riley shouldn't have been hired again. Christy Holly shouldn't have been hired again. Friedman Steedy shouldn't have been hired again. Richie Burke shouldn't have been hired at all. Like, it's so difficult because you're not asking for a lot. But it's almost like where the league is, it's going to take a lot of restructuring and a lot of the owners are going to push back. But if you want a league, if you want to be a team owner, this is what you need to do because y'all had your chance. And this is what you created. This is what you enabled. And no, no, can't exist. Cannot exist. It's not OK. It's not OK to have players living in fear, to have players living in in in. Conditions and, and undergoing sexual coercion and verbal abuse and all of the things that have happened to players that we've heard story after story after story. I mean, it's almost like every month there's a new big NWSL story that's just awful that comes out, and you're like,
0: is it secretly every week?
1: Right? I was just, it's being generous, right? It seemed like every week, especially recently. It's and it's and what it is, it's just an uncovering of everything, and this is why I say, you know, it's institutional because. All of this stuff is not coincidence. All of this stuff happened because of the culture that has been created and it starts from the top. It starts from the owners on down. They created this system and the system is garbage. It's trash and it doesn't work. And it treats players like prey and it and it allows them to be abused with zero repercussions. And they're going to protect one another and the, and the people that they love to handshake with, whether it's coaches, other front office people. Like I haven't we haven't even mentioned Tom Torres, who was fired from the Washington Spear for sexually harassing players uh after the challenge cup. Uh Washington Spear players after the challenge cup. And then he got rehired again because nobody said why. It wasn't until more reporting came out. I believe Pablo Mauer did that report and found out that he was why he was actually fired. And it was because he sexually harassed players. Like, well this, that and this a is, whole
0: bunch of people tweeted at uh whichever club also hired him. Yes. They were like, hey don't do this.
1: And again, Kaya said it in her podcast, unfiltered. She said, she just straight up said, like, I'm going to just tell everybody right now, this is what happened. And again, this is what, (laughs) this is what this current structure enables. And it, it just cannot be. And, you know, it's, I I keep going back to, uh, to, to the players and, you know, it's, it's so frustrating because I mean, it, it gives you so little faith that this can actually ever exist. But God, I hope it can. I really do, because we have some of the best players in the world. Like, it's so much fun to watch these players play. Imagine if they're playing freely. Imagine if they're playing and not worried about finances or needing a second job or a third job. Imagine if they were playing and not worried about a coach controlling every aspect of their life. They're either going to have to move back home, or they're going to have to pick up some menial job because a coach got upset with them or rejected their, you know, or or, or try or they rejected a coach's advances or something. Like, it, it, just imagine if the players were free, how or much better if, the league could be.
0: Or even if you went abroad and your rights got traded, and it was very clear that you did not want to go play for that team, Right. it was almost like rights got held hostage.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that so then you had to go so somewhere else. Time. Yeah, I mean, just to, just imagine if we had a player first league and it seems like it seems like an alternate reality from where we are right now because genuinely it would be but that's where we need to get and this is why I don't care if it's the NWSL I don't care whatever acronyms come after that whatever it has to be it needs to be done and the players cannot like they should not be expected to endure or even go through the process of fixing this. This needs to be something that people, if you want an NWSL, if the people who run the NWSL right now, the owners as well, if you want this league, if you want to maintain and remain a, a, an owner, if you want that, you need to flip the switch. Everything about the league needs to change right now. And you can do it. You can do it. So I, it's just so frustrating to me because you, I also think about the fact that these players, even if they weren't the best players in the world, obviously they deserve protection. But you think about the NWSL specifically, and you think about what makes this league so interesting, so competitive, um, so good. It's not Fareed Ben It was never Richie Burke. It was never Christy Holly. It was never Paul Riley. These dudes didn't have anything to do with why the league is so good and why people love the league and why the league has such passionate support. It's not them. It's always the players. And I know that this is so antithetical to how sports are in America, but when it comes to women's soccer, we have multiple World Cups. We have some of the best players. You have to treat them like it. <laughs> you, you, you cannot have the same structures because this is, not, this is not the NFL, right? This is not, this is not, this isn't even the MLS, right? If you want to go with the soccer parallel, this is the top in the world. It's supposed to be and can be. But when you treat people like this, you don't deserve that. And so I don't care. If the players, if the league dissolves and the players have to go play overseas, I would be sad. I'll be sad for the players who have to go and spend that time away from their families and outside of the country if they wanted to stay here. But something's gotta happen because this and it needs to happen quick. And it can't be, it has to be so much more than what the NWSL just tried to do. Like to me, that's an okie doke situation. You had way too much time to come up with something, and that's what you came up with. Safe sport and an all white panel of people who got giant question marks that trail them and one directly with the NWSL and one directly with other abuses of high profile abuses as well. Like just can't be it.
0: This kind of goes back to my whole point of trying to treat the NWSL like the NFL or even just like another, well, like the, the NBA or the, What are the other leagues? MLB, (laughs) the last one. Oh, and like uh, the NHL. Yeah, I think those are the four that I was thinking about. And even, I mean, even at times some of the, the WNBA a little bit, but the difference between the NWSL and those leagues, and I'll actually lob in MLS with the NWSL, is that the NFL and the NBA have basically have a monopoly on talent. Like they can go and like, you know, I mean treat the players like shit and all this stuff because they know that like day in and day out that if you like the NFL knows that they're the number one American football league in the world, right? And maybe you can make the argument a little bit for the NBA. But soccer is not that. Like, because of honestly, like kind of because of infrastructure and like and you know, year like decades of infrastructure is how the US has cultivated such incredible Women soccer players, but and like we've talked about this on another episode, but other countries are catching up, and so and like yeah, you always want to play at home in your home country, things like that. But the what you have to deal with are things that really, to me, only the like in terms of really like the U.S. sports league, only really the MLS really has to contend with that. Maybe the WNBA at times, but you can't you can't try to look like all of these other leagues because you're dealing with other problems that the leagues don't have to deal with. Like, you fund, like you don't have to... I mean, one, I don't... No other league has, like, international breaks. <laughs> like, even just as a baseline thing. But you're also, for example, not thinking about, like, other huge, worldly talent picking another league over yours because you know that you either have a monopoly on talent or, like, you are the best league in the world and that people are just going to want to come play with you. But... The NWSL and the MLS are different in that account because of just the nature of global soccer. And so one thing that I really hope that they do going forward is finding, like, (laughs) baseline understanding that you don't operate (laughs) like many of the other leagues in this country, but also just getting away from that. You see your user base, or sorry, your fan base. The majority of your fans aren't like the fans of the NFL. Like, I really want going forward for... The, like not only for the league to get it right but one of the ways that they get it right is trying not to be like everyone else and if they are going to try to mimic another league in this country it should be the WNBA but like Fast. even just kind of breaking away from that because <laughs> none of the other leagues besides the MLS really have to deal with this like, you, like quite simply like I can't I'm literally trying to rack my brain of thinking about Besides really like Olympics time, and that's just for the WNBA and like, like it really is just for the WNBA of thinking about, oh, we need to, we are having a break in our schedule because of international competition going on. Like I cannot think of any and like, or maybe a little bit with like the NWHL, but like, you know, things are just different. So I just hope that they like find a way to just be like, we don't operate like any of these other leagues. Why are we trying to operate like these other th- leagues when we are fundamentally different?
1: It's going to require them giving up power. That's it. That's the problem is that's how the NFL can roll because you have a fan base that doesn't really care about the players. Oh, they like some of the players and what they can do for their fantasy team, but they don't really care about the players. If the majority of the fan base cared about the players, the NFL would have, would have had to change a lot of things a long time ago. Um, but you have that. In the NWSL. You have passionate support. And even that's been taken advantage of and exploited. And this is why it just, again, the the whole system, the whole system is just untenable. Can't have it. You need to have these players have the majority of the power because they are the ones who bring in the eyeballs, the passionate support. They're also the most talented players in the world. So all of that, like, (laughs) is the frustrating thing is it should be easy. You have a ready-made, like, best league in the world in your own backyard all you have to do is allow them to play
0: that's it and it's it's crazy how it even happened that way right. <laughs> like i don't know i think about it i'm like, I'm like we were really lucked out huh <laughs> like, right yeah i mean it, yes. immaculate players
1: yeah it's incredible like and it, but it makes you it it because of that it makes it even more infuriating that it almost, as you mentioned, multiple iterations of a women's domestic league in America have have come and gone. And for a multitude of reasons, including rampant abuses. And it's just like, I don't, it's just, it's so frustrating because it doesn't, it shouldn't ever have to be that. Like this is, this should be the easiest thing in the world. It really should. It's not that difficult. Like you have the most, some of the most recognizable players not only US players, but in the world that come to this league and want to play here in a very competitive league. They want to play in, these t- in, in, in this country because it is the most competitive. And it's because a lot of the players here make it, whether they're US women's national team players or not. And, and for the majority, when I talk about the most talented players, I'm talking about depth of talent because there's no other league that has the depth of talent of, of what a domestic league in this country can, can have, like not France. The WSL is growing, but they, they do not have, you look at some of those teams and, and at the bottom half of the table, the WSL table, yeah, uh, give, me, give me Louisville, give me, give me Casey, <laughs> give, give me those teams. Even the, I believe the Dash are still in the bottom of the standings if those even matter anymore. But yeah, the depth of talent in this league is, uh, is absurd and it should be so easy to just let women athletes and non-binary athletes go out there and ball, but they can't. That's what's so frustrating is that this this is not difficult. It shouldn't be hard. You have an incredible product just sitting there. Just don't fuck it up.
0: Yeah, and the last thing that I want to say is right before this recording, we saw or we learned, I guess, via Twitter that Sinead, Mana, and Alex Morgan are going on the Today Show tomorrow morning. And we also then learned that Kaya was not asked to go on the Today Show with them. Which is bullshit. It really is. Like, the, I don't even want to say devalued, but just people ignoring Black pain is so deeply frustrating. And that, and that was one thing I did appreciate from many of the statements, not all of them, but many, and the NWSLPA still including Kaya in the conversation. Because to me, that was like, really the f- one of the first re- like it was the first really really big story in a while about abuse in the league and to me it has somewhat even though I know the athletic article was in the work for months and months and months but not including her and in all of these media appearances and things like that is not fair and just really speaks to I'll call it the fabricated image of women's soccer in this country being white and abuse is abuse no matter where it happens but when you cherry pick who gets to be the face of the abuse, when we do know from all these stories that it's happening in a lot of different places, that's to me where it's like when we were thinking about meth- lessons from media coverage and things like that, that's where those lessons aren't being learned.
1: Yeah, I think that's an excellent point is that, and and this is, again, the the, the people who are trying to save this iteration of the nwsl again they got to get it there's no leeway for them not to anymore like kaya tweeted nobody no 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 one from the league and no investigator contacted her cannot do that gotta got you you must you must treat black pain as important as as critical as any other and and i'll even say another a flag a, a um a signal for not only not only front office members or, you know, uh, members of the NWSL front office as well, club front offices, also some of the players, I think should have been the formation of the Black Women's Player Collective. I think when you, re- when, when you think about the reason and you hear about the reason why that was formed, like, oh, I'm thankful it exists and it needs to. But when you, and Kaya told us in the very first episode why it was formed and other players have confirmed and said the same thing. Mm -hmm. When you hear about why it was formed, that tells you of a systemic league-wide culture of enabling or cultivating a space that is not safe for Black players. And that's not okay. It's not okay. Like there, yeah, there can be a, a Black women's player collective without that, but that's the function. That's the reason why it formed. That should have told a lot of people a lot of things. The reason behind that. And this is one of those things, again, where where the concept of intersectionality has to be at the forefront, because you and and again, this is, you know, we keep harping on it, but it's important The people who are part of that committee are all white women, it cannot be that because they're going to have blind spots, whether willingly or ignorantly. Whatever it is, they're going to have blind spots and they are not going to take things as seriously as they can because they won't be able to get it. They won't be able to relate. And like Courtney said, a diversity of thought is not a substitute. You mm-hmm. actually need people on that. And to be honest, what they really should do is get a player. That's what they really should do. If you want to show me you're serious about figuring out power, if you are rebalancing the power and doing the quote unquote systemic transformation, you need to have a player on that committee and I don't want to sign any player up for for you know all the work that it's going to take because it's honestly not their fault but the fact that like the fact it's the problem is the league is where it is and they've done this so they need to either they need to come begging or whatever they need to do but you you have to get the next steps very right and they're not close to doing that
0: and even if they don't want to get a player get someone from the PA or a former player like if you don't want to yeah. like yep. have a current player there are options to do better and i i mean we will be watching to see if this if they actually fall through or fall through go through with what they're saying they want to do
1: yeah yeah i and i think that's it i mean i don't think i have anything else to say on this i mean i'm i'm obviously going to be looking i believe it seems like they're going to start trying to play um games again it'll be interesting uh to see how that goes i would 100 i mean we would support 100% support a player strike, whatever the players want to do. If the players feel comfortable to play, okay, fine. If they want to just get on with the season, okay, fine, and then try to you know, um, restructure the league in the offseason. Whatever it is, I'm completely here for whatever the players want to do. So if the players say they want to play, we're going to watch the games, we're going to support them, but we're always going to keep our necks on the league because they need it. <laughs> um, too much bad stuff has happened. And it not a single thing cannot happen. A single thing like what's been reported, like a single thing like what we've talked about this entire podcast cannot happen again.
0: It really can't. And kind of wrapping it all up, I I thought about so many times on this podcast where we like are so excited to talk about fun things on the NWSL and then someone just comes through and does some absolute fuck shit, just like a lot. something absolutely terrible. Yeah. And I keep thinking about it because... I mean, we had a special episode planned that is getting pushed back in light of truly everything that's going on. But Andre, I was so excited for you to get back. And I was going to tell you literally everything about Midge Purse. Like, I was (laughs) so excited to, like, talk to you about Midge being back and all of these things. But it's like this league never quits. There's always something
1: yeah, I I I couldn't believe, like I had very limited uh, Wi-Fi connectivity and I just like all, every update, every time I scrolled my timeline for even like five minutes, every story that hit my notifications tab, I was just like, what? I, like, first of all, I'm so thankful and glad that stuff is coming out and that it's forcing change, but also what the hell? All this was bubbling up and you're telling me that like, I know Lisa Baird resigned and yeah, she should have. Because her, I'm shocked to hear. No, you heard about it months ago. Don't give us that nonsense. But like all the things that kept coming out was like everybody in this league, owners, front office people knew about these things. Like what did y'all think was going to happen? This is the thing. It's just like that That level of ego egotism is just, I can't fathom it. It's frustrating. It's just, it's, it's mind boggling to think that like, like, yeah, we're going to be able to do this forever. We're going to be able to treat the players like absolute shit forever. It's going to be fine. What I like, my brain just has a hard time understanding that whole mindset. And even if somebody knows that and decides that like, we can't, you know, it'd be too difficult to change things. You got to start somewhere. Right. And, and the CBA would have been a great place to start. (laughs) But as we talked about earlier, they didn't show up and, and maybe maybe Courtney is right that Lisa Bear said, No, nah, I got it. And I could I could see that too. I but can still. so
0: easily see that. <laughs> it's like so annoying how easily I can I think right. of all the things of like the league producing the broadcast and all the things yeah. where I could just easily her see her being like, No, nah, like I got it. But also you yeah. kind of
1: see why, right? That's part of the whole insular nature of that thing where you just keep everything in house because you're too scared to shine any light or let anybody in who might not know or might not feel like they need to keep those secrets, right? That's the thing. Like no more secrets. This is the thing. No more secrets, no more silence. It's just got to stop. And I am I know we went back and started talking about things again and I just, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm just like, so I've, I've been frustrated and annoyed, but also, amazed at some of the the people and the and and putting up with what they have to endure and go through and relive in order for this stories these stories to come out to protect other people even at the expense of themselves and their own pain and hurt and reliving these things like i i just want to say thank you to them absolutely thank you to kaya as well kaya really like people is why i she <laughs> As she tweeted, I understand why, like she knows why like today's show ain't good. Like she said, I can't, I need to find the tweet so I can, so I can just quote it because it was very funny, but it's also like, it's also annoying because yeah, she's right, but also it sucks that she's right. But she tweeted, quote, if you thought they were going to put my black radical ass on television, you are sorely mistaken. <laughs> um, it, correct, Kai, you are absolutely right. But also it, even that can no longer be like, no, you have to listen to everyone. And whether that's the Today Show or the NWSL, got to listen to everyone. So like, thank you so much for your strength and advocacy and uncovering a lot of this and being willing to go through a lot of this. Shouldn't have had to do it. Same with with Mana and same with Sinead. Just wish them and everyone affected it. Even everyone that we don't know who has a story like this, because there are plenty of stories. We know enough now about the NWSL and how it's been rolling to know that there are so many stories that we don't even know about and so many other victims that we don't even know about open for just peace and strength for all of you.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I completely co-signed. Thank you to Kaya. Thank you to Sinead. Thank you to Mana. And really thank you to everyone who, you know, was either corroborating stories or just, you know, has <laughs> been dealing with kind of the consequences of being an NWSL player um, and living in kind of that culture of silence, which I know, was alluded to in the athletic article a few times, but also it really does trickle up to the league. When we think about the overall lack of transparency that we've seen time and time again, that culture of silence is over now. And so, yeah, just truly thank you to everyone who came forward and everyone who has been even fighting kind of from the, uh, from behind the curtain. We're so thankful to you.
1: Yeah. Um, so we're going to get out of here. Um, we may, <laughs> no promises. Depends on what other mess pops up between now and then, but we we are going to eventually get back to normal spotlights. Even if we don't talk about the NWSL, there's still plenty going on in Europe. Um, y'all have seen us tweet a lot about Kat and how she's still balling over at Lyon. Um, the uh, Women's Champions League matches, uh, group stages are starting this week. We're definitely going to talk about those at some point, but we just needed to, to have this discussion and talk about this because there's nothing to me right now, nothing in women's soccer is more important than this getting right. And whether it's this getting completely blown up or this being saved in a way that completely transforms um, player power uh, in this country and in women's soccer, whichever option it is, it needs to happen. It needs to happen immediately. So we needed to make sure that we talked about it and, um, discuss these issues so we thank y'all for listening um we will be back um with other episodes whether we're still talking about this or not we will see um but we're gonna be there with y'all um as we always are and I have no more trips scheduled so I'll be here
0: I know you you leaving the entire world blows up this honestly (laughs) kind of remind me when Meg Linehan went on vacation for a week and Woso also blew up yeah I can't remember what happened that week because it feels like every week something new happens, <laughs> right. but it was a big thing, <laughs> and so, yeah, Andre, I don't know if you can go on vacation anymore. Sorry, bud.
1: Yeah, I mean, if I if I if I ever schedule something <laughs> again, like internationally, I'm just gonna let everybody know, just to brace y'all. Like, I, I didn't know this was gonna happen, so next time I promise to give y'all a heads up. That's the best just, I can do.
0: Just do it during an international break. <laughs> international break
1: oh god (laughs) this league
0: this league thanks so much for listening y'all and we'll talk to you next time